Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. is where we're going to be. This will be our last summer psalm, and uh, we will pick this up. We might have spring psalms because it's going to be, some of you guys will be in the heritage group by the time we get through all the psalms. And so uh, anyways, uh, we, will, we will maybe pick this up later on, but excited about what we will start next week. And so Psalm 17, um, I want to go ahead and read the whole psalm. I know it's a little bit uh, more lengthy uh, than the other ones that we've read, but I want you to kind of get the spirit of it. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do is if you have your Bibles, if not, that's okay. But if you have your Bibles, um, I want us to read responsively today. And so I'll read verse 1, you read verse 2, and so on down through the end of the chapter. But the Bible says this, Hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry, give, unto my, give ear unto my prayer that goeth not out of feigned lips. Thou hast proved mine heart, thou hast visited me in the night, thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Hold up my goings in thy paths that my footsteps slip not. Show thy marvelous loving kindness, which isn't that a, that's a sweet prayer. Okay, that is, I mean, if you ever just say, I don't know what to pray, um, there's a very good statement to pray. Show, show thy marvelous loving kindness. O thou that savest by thy right hand them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. From the, from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down, bowing down to the earth. Some of you, if you don't, if you're not a good comprehender, you're like, what are we reading about? Like, I just read this. Now I'm reading about a lion. Like, I didn't know this was David in the lion's den. All right. Some of you will get that later. Psalms, David in the lion's den. All right. You guys get it. Verse 13. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I want you to read verse number 15 out loud together with me. Verse number 15, ready, begin. As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I shall behold thy face in righteousness. I want to talk to you for the next couple minutes about righteousness always wins. Righteousness 
always wins. From Psalms chapter number 17, let's pray and we'll ask the Lord to help us. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you for another opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to be around fellow Christians, Lord, uh, other young adults who, um, as far as it seems, are going in the same direction as we are. And so God, I ask you to help us today. Help us to learn something from your word that we can take and apply to our hearts, apply to our lives. Lord, may we walk out of here, first of all, understanding the, your righteousness, understanding the righteousness that we have in you. And Lord, may we seek to live a righteous life so that we can see how righteousness always wins. In your name we pray. Amen. The word righteous or the word righteousness um, is often a spiritual word. It's a moral word. And many times as Christians, we read the Bible and we talk about righteousness. In fact, if you were in the nine o'clock service, uh, we read through, uh, Brother Whetstone read through Romans 1, where righteousness and unrighteousness is addressed. If you go to the 11 o'clock service, there's your 11 o'clock or your 1030 preview of the 11 o'clock service. And so, um, but we talk a lot about it. And sometimes what we fail to see as Christians and as, as young adults especially is that the unrighteousness of the world feels like it is winning, but the righteousness righteousness of God is promised to win. Many times we get frustrated when it seems like maybe the unrighteous and maybe those that are not following after God's pathway are, are winning or are proceeding or are progressing. And we, we kind of step back and we say, Lord, what are you doing? Why is this happening? Why am I even going to bother being righteous if this is what I want or if this is what I'm going to face? The Bible teaches us that, yea, all that shall live godly shall suffer persecution. And sometimes it seems as though unrighteousness faces no problem and righteousness faces problems. But in this passage, there's a couple of principles that kind of pop out the, uh, throughout the passage. And so I want us to look at really three different thoughts from Psalm 17. And I want to show you how righteousness always wins according to Scripture. The first one is this, is a prayer from the righteous. A prayer from the righteous. I want you to look in verse number one. The Bible says, Hear the right, O Lord. This is David, and it says, even if you look at Psalm 17, if you've got a little subtitle under it, it says this is a prayer of David. But he says, Hear the right, O Lord. If you go back and you look at the Hebrew of this, and by the way, I'm not, I don't speak Hebrew, and I'm just saying that I'm just showing you something, okay? That word right is the same word as righteous or righteousness. It's, it's translated a couple different ways in your King James Bible. It's translated justified, it's translated just, it's translated righteous, it's translated right. And so he says, hear the right, okay? It's not talking about a political party. It's talking about righteousness. It's talking about what is moral, what is divine, and obedience to a divine law. He says, hear the right, O Lord. So here's what he's saying. When I pray to you, I want you to hear the righteous. Isn't it interesting that when there's a national tragedy, that people who are sometimes the most carnal people on social media will go and they'll say, uh, for instance, with all of things going on overseas in uh, the Ukraine and, and Russia, they'll post on their social media, they'll, they'll change their uh, profile or they'll change their, uh, their Twitter name or whatever, and they'll say, pray for the Ukraine, pray for the Ukraine. And sometimes you've got to step back and you've got to ask yourself, who is God going to listen to in that moment? Is God going to listen to the person who lives their life however they want, who maybe promotes things that are not in accordance to God's word and lives a life that is not following after divine law? Is he going to hear the prayer of them or is he going to hear the prayer of the righteous? And here's what I, I want you to see from this passage is that God hears the righteous. 
God hears those who are living a life of righteousness, but not only living a life of righteousness, they have accepted Christ as their Savior and they've been clothed in the righteousness of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's who God hears. That's who he listens to. And so David says, Hear the right, O Lord. Attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer. And I want you to see this. He says, That goeth not out of feigned lips. That goeth not out of feigned lips. Meaning this, my prayer is not coming out of a mouth that is evil, that is wicked, that is prideful, that is selfish. There's, there's nothing immoral. My lips didn't curse just 20 minutes or 30 minutes or the day before I made this prayer. My mouth is something that is pleasing and honoring to you. And so he says, out of feigned lips. But then he says this, let my sentence come forth from thy presence. Let thine eyes behold the things that are equal. Thou hast proved mine heart. When God looks at your heart, when he sees your heart, what does it say about your prayer? When God sees your heart, what does it say about your prayer? We often quote the verse out of, I believe it's Psalm 30 or Psalm 19, Search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Some of us, we pray, and the last thing that we want God to do is search us. Because we're asking from maybe a selfish heart. We're asking from a heart that is really maybe evil, that, that allows wickedness to dwell in it, that is, maybe has different priorities, but now all of a sudden we need God, we need Him to step in. And so there is a prayer of righteousness. And when God looks down on your heart, what does it say about your prayer? What does your heart say about your prayer? So He says, Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. And then He says this, Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. I want you to notice a couple things about this prayer of, of, of the righteous. When David is praying this, he, as he talks to God, he talks not just about his current state. He talks not just about his past state of righteousness, but he also talks about his future plans to continue in righteousness. I want you to see that because here's what we so often do. We come to God and we say, well, God, look at my righteousness, the righteousness of my past. And we've been living like a heathen the whole week, okay? Look at the, go, if you got anything to go off of, look at everything that I did in my past. And there's really maybe no current righteousness to speak for us. And so David says, you can look in my past and see the righteousness. You can look at my current state and see my righteousness. But I want you to see this. He also says, I have purposed not to transgress. Look at the end of verse number three. He says, I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. He says, God, not only was I on your team, God, not only am I on your team, but God, I have the full intention and purpose and plan to continue to be on your team no matter what comes. And what we as young adults sometimes have this, this tendency to do is this. We pray, and it's almost like we make an ultimatum with God. Well, God, you know how good I was in the past. And God, if you can do this for me, then I will probably shape up my current state. And God, maybe if you do this, then I will, I'll see where I'm at in 10 years. I'll see how much I do for you. I'll see what I have to live for. Because if you're not going to solve this, then I don't know what my plans are going to be for you in the future. I don't know how surrendered I'm going to be in the future. The prayer of the righteous 
says, Lord, would you look at where I've come from? Lord, would you look at the righteousness of my past? Lord, would you look at my current righteousness? And God, I want you to know that no matter the outcome, no matter what this world does, I'm going to continue in righteousness. Now, let me give you a quick caveat. I believe there's two different aspects to righteousness that we need to understand. The first one is that as a child of God, God sees you as righteous. Okay? How many of you have ever seen the illustration? I might have even done it in here. It's been a long time since I've done it. But where if someone has on, some, especially if they're wearing a, a suit coat or if they're wearing a jacket of some sort, what is beneath them can be dirty and, and wrinkled. And I remember when I was in college and did not like to wake up early. Now it just as old age just makes you wake up early. All right. When I was in college and didn't like to wake up early, we were uh, the college that I went to, we were supposed to wear uh, dress shirts on certain days. And then we we're supposed to wear ja- on the days that we had to wear jackets. Uh, I don't remember even what days it was now, all right? But on the days that we had to wear jackets, I would only iron this parts of my dress shirt, all right? I would only, because it's like, that's the only thing you're going to see. So I'd iron my collar, and I would just, sometimes I would even just like iron right here. And it's like, I guess I'm keeping my suit coat button today, all right? Like, just keep it. So that, and so, but if I took this off, there could be rips on this. There could, there could, someone could have sharpened on the back of it. That's one of the great things about being in ministry is like I get a stain on my shirt and it's like, I'll just wear my jacket tonight. Like I guess I'm wearing my jacket for the rest of my life. And he's, like I'll pull his shirt out and I'm like, why did I keep that? There's a huge stain like right here. And it's like, because I can wear it with a jacket, all right? You don't know what's underneath this jacket unless I take it off. Now watch this. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ that covers you in the righteousness of God, it covers all the flaws and stains and sins that may be in your past. And so God, when he looks down from heaven, he sees you as righteous. But let's stop for just a second, okay? Too many times in today's society, in today's world, what we say is, well, God sees me as righteous, so it doesn't matter how I live. There is still an element of righteous living that is included in Scripture. I don't have the time to take you to Romans 1 or or really the whole book of Corinthians where Paul writes about how that you as a child of God, although God sees you as righteous, there's still an element of righteous living. So watch this. It is important that when you as a righteous person, if you are a child of God, and you come to God with a prayer of righteousness and a prayer from the righteous, yes, you can lean upon the righteous standing that you have in Jesus Christ, but it is also important to understand that you must also lean on the righteous and holy lifestyle that you are also living. David was at this point in the Old Testament not viewed as righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. He was viewed as righteous through the sacrifice that he was making, through his fellowship with God, through through his short account of sins, through the way that he dealt with his sins. And someone as wicked, someone as as David that we can look at and we can say, this dude made a lot of mistakes. Okay, David probably a murderer and an adulterer doesn't qualify for most leadership positions in in any church. Okay, and yet God says he's a man after my own heart. If God can look down and see someone like that as righteous, then isn't it important for you and I to understand that our lifestyle matters to God? That the way that we live and interact with others, the way that we live and interact with the wickedness of this world matters to God. 
And sometimes we step back and we say, well, God, why are you not answering my prayer? Could it be that it's not because God doesn't want to answer your prayer? Could it be that your unrighteousness is dulling his hearing, is keeping you from seeing a movement of God? We talk a lot about revival. We talk a lot about God changing our church, God changing our country. God hears the prayer of the righteous, and could it be that our desire is birthed and and really communicated to God in unrighteousness rather than righteousness? So first of all, there's a prayer from the righteous, but then secondly, I want you to see that there's a judgment of the unrighteous. There's a judgment of the unrighteous. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because it seems to be a reoccurring theme throughout the book of Psalms. You'll actually hear about it again in uh, the 11 o'clock service. You heard about it in the 9 o'clock service. But I want you to look at verse number 6. Actually, let's, let's skip down. I'm sorry. Let's don't take the time to read verse number 6. He says in verse number 9, from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who can pass me about, they are enclosed in their own fat. With their mouth they speak proudly. They have now compassed us in our steps. They have set their eyes bowing down to the earth. Like as a lion that is greedy of his prey, and as it were a young lion lurking in secret places, arise, O Lord, disappoint him. <laughs> How many of you like to see other people get disappointed, all right? Sometimes, sometimes if it's someone that you're kind of like, yeah, I don't know about that, like, I'm going to use maybe an illustration that sits too close to home, all right? If someone breaks up with you, be honest. You like to see them get broken up with, don't you? Be honest, right? Like, snooze you lose, huh? Right? You guys are being way too godly. Some of you are like, you're, you're a heathen, all right? Uh, whatever, <laughs> right? You like, the, sometimes there's a little feeling of, of oh, yeah, look at that. They got, they got what was coming to them. That they, finally, finally, thank you, God, thank you. Okay, David say, prays a very simple prayer. He says, "Arise, O Lord, disappoint him. Make it so that he's not. Make it so that everything that he thinks that's going to happen doesn't. Disappoint him. Whatever he's shooting for, cast him down. Deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword." from men which are thy hand, O Lord, from men of the world which have their portion in this life. That's a, such an important phrase. He says, which have their portion in this life. Can I encourage you with something very quickly? Don't make this life down here all that you live for. Don't make your portion be in this life. Make your portion to be in the life that is to come. You can get everything that you've ever wanted down here and completely miss out on having anything to show for it in heaven one day. He says they make their portion in this life. But then he closes and he says, In whose belly thou fillest with thy hid treasure, they are full of children and leave the rest of their substance to their babes. He says this, God, would you show them, would you judge them? But then he says this, and this is what I want you to see. He says, there's a prayer, first of all, of the righteous. There's a judgment of the unrighteous. But thirdly is this, is there is a satisfaction of righteousness. He says, God, would you hear me because of my righteousness? God, would you allow me to come into your presence? God, would you fill me? God, would you, would you help me to see that I've lived for you in the past. I'm living for you right now. And I plan and purpose my heart that no matter what happens, I will live for you in the future. That's my prayer. That's my goal. 
But God, I want the unrighteous to, to see you. I want the unrighteous to not go unpunished. But then he makes a very important statement. He says, as for me, meaning this, no matter what you do to them, this is what my decision is going to be. He says, as for me, I will behold thy face. What's the next word? Wait, I will behold thy face in. What's the next word? All right. right. Some of you are like in. That's not a very exciting word. All right. <laughs> I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. Tomorrow, if for whatever reason the Lord just chose to take someone in this class to heaven, okay, all of us down here would be sad, we would mourn, we, we, would, we would encourage your families, we, we would try to love on you, I would probably use it as an illustration, like, like, well, let's pull, okay, like, let's, let's use this as an opportunity to grow, like, whatever, okay? But do you know what the person who went through that would be experiencing? Satisfaction that they had finally become like Jesus Christ. Satisfaction in the righteousness of God. That God was actually who he said he was. And now I get the opportunity to experience it to its fullest. Sometimes I think that for us as young adults and those of us who are facing the culture that we're in now, sometimes I think that satisfaction seems like that it has to be, well, I'll be satisfied one day when I get a new car, or I'll be satisfied one day when I get a new phone, or I'll be satisfied one day when I get a boyfriend. I'll be satisfied one day when I have kids. I'll be satisfied when... What if we just stopped and we said, I'll be satisfied one day when I see God for who He is. As for me, I shall see thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in thy likeness. I'm going to see God for his righteousness and I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, Lord, that's enough. And if it's enough for us one day in heaven, shouldn't it be enough for us while we're here on this earth? Shouldn't it be enough for us to say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why the wicked seem to be winning. I don't know why I'm facing problems and all of my friends and the people on social media who are living like heathens and all of the politicians who get to do whatever they want to do. I don't understand why a politician who stands for abortion can have a private jet and I have to drive a Volkswagen Jetta, okay? Jet Jetta. You see where my brain went, all right, okay? Because a Jetta is actually a pretty nice car, okay? I don't get that. But as for me, I'm going to behold thy face in righteousness. I'm going to be satisfied with what you've given me because you are enough and you are better than anything else this world has to offer with every head bowed and every eye closed let's pray thanks for listening if this lesson is helpful to you feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org you can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on instagram and twitter We look forward to connecting with you again soon.